Father, I thank you for Kathleen. I thank you for her heart and her friendship. And um, gosh, there's so many things I love about her that uh, I love her heart for the lost. I love for the way that she is able to just love people in random places and in her job and um, that she exudes your love as she goes about the world. And I love how she's able to speak the truth in love. Um, I've told her I call her the velvet knife that is able to be so kind and yet just piercing truth at times that just really um, speaks of you. So I pray this morning that you would open our hearts and ears to hear what you would have to say through Kathleen. And um, Lord, I know we all love Peter. We're all blessed by his preaching. And today there's something unique and special that you want to say through Kathleen that you wouldn't be able to say through anyone else. And so I pray that you would open our hearts to hear what it is that you would want us to receive. And we give this to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Perfect. Thanks. So I, I have a five-year-old niece named Cassidy, bright red long hair. And a few months ago, she pulled me into her room, shut the door, and said to me in a conspiratorial tone, do you want to see in my secret drawer? So with the appropriate sense of honor and excitement, I said, well, yeah. And uh, so she opened this big drawer, and inside were only a few little things, but they were random, and they were her treasures. And yeah, <laughs> totally. Um, and. And they were, but no, I can't tell you what they were. But, you know, when Peter left and he said, hey, Kathleen, do you want to speak? I went to my special drawer and I pulled something out. And that's what I'm bringing to you today because it's something from my life, something from my special drawer um, that means a lot to me. It's something I've lived and I'm in the process of living. Um, so... Uh, Thank you, Justin, or Francis. So anyway, I'm going to unfold this uh, special treasure that's just made a difference in my life, and hopefully some of you will uh, be blessed as well. Uh, as Francis said, I'm a hospice chaplain, so that means, for those of you who uh, aren't familiar so much, but um, I visit people in their homes who have terminal illnesses uh, toward the end of their lives. And I love my job. Um, and I love my colleagues. I don't want to point anyone out like Kelly in the back or Russ right over there. But um, anyway, um, a very common topic that I get into with people when I go talk to them, um, I see them regularly, get to know them and their families. But one very common topic is uh, sort of the bucket list idea. Uh, and if you've seen the movie, you know what I mean. But it's a common term nowadays, I think, in our, in our culture of things, things that you'd like to do before you kick the bucket. Uh, very tender. Um, so, um, but here's the thing. What people have to do is it takes some organizing because when you all of a sudden decide, when someone tells you, oh, you've got about a year to live, um, then all of a sudden you really have to streamline you have to think, wait a minute, what is the most important things for me to do with the time that I have left, the time and the energy? So you really learn to prioritize. 
And because I'm around this kind of thinking all the time, that kind of thinking has affected me. In fact, I do it unconsciously now, all the time, every day. It's okay, what do I need to do today? And in fact, I usually come with the assumption that, um, that maybe every day there are gonna be more things that, need, that I want to do that are actually, than what are actually gonna get done. So I have to think, what's the most important? And then, what will I do if there's extra time and energy? I'm sure you think about that as well. But I even apply this sense of prioritizing to my relationship with God. Because I look around and there are, um, Francis was telling you some of my involvements, I have a little issue with saying no, but there are so many things that I, I think, wow, this is a great cause, I should be involved in this, or, or this is a wonderful resource, or this, I should go to this retreat, or I should go to this conference, or I should be involved in this humanitarian effort. There's so many things that I'd like to be, but there's only so much time and energy. And so I have to decide what's the most important, and not just what's important to me, but what's the most important thing to the Lord? What does He really consider important? And um, I was thinking about this movie, uh, a classic movie, I think, called City Slickers, um, where um, there's a, a cowboy in here who he, he realizes that he has the secret to life, and he's thought through all this prioritizing, and listen to him. Then you think two weeks up here will have time for you. None of you get it. How old are you? 38. 39. Yeah. You all come up here about the same age, same problems. Spend about 50 weeks a year getting knots in your rope and then... Then you think two weeks up here will have time for you. None of you get it. Do you know what the secret of life is? No, what? This. Your finger? One thing. Just one thing. You stick to that and everything else don't mean shit. That's great, but what's the one thing? That's what you gotta figure out. my finger <laughs> one thing but the thing is uh, it's not a few weeks ago uh, pastor Peter talked about how God hates visionaries um, and I thought it was I thought about that because it in a way he was talking about like you we don't get our own vision we don't get to make our own mission statement for life um, it's God's vision and we line up with his vision if we want to really please him with our lives and so this one thing is not what's one thing that matters to me, it's what matters to him. And for years I thought, oh, I got that figured out because uh, there was a very clear passage in the Gospels where Jesus was asked a question about this and he gave a really straight answer. And in fact, we're gonna read this passage uh, together. If you would read along with me loud and proud. Let's not mumble like you hate doing this. Let's do it loud and proud like, mm, God's word tastes great. All right, but when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees with his reply, 
they thought up a fresh question of their own to ask him. One of them, an expert in religious law, tried to trap him with this question. Teacher, which is the most important commandment in the law of Moses? Jesus replied, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment, and second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. So there you've got the answer. What's really the most important commandment? Love God, love people. Bam, thought I had that covered. Uh, but you know, in this situation, if you notice, you know when people ask questions, sometimes there's a lot of different motivations. And if, did you notice the guy, the expert in the law who asked this question, what was his motivation? Anybody notice? He had to trap him. Not to make him look good, not because they really wanted to know, uh, but to trap him. So Jesus adjusted his answers depending on the motivation of the one who asked. Um, he did give a straight answer, like I said. He told them the truth. In fact, he told them the greatest treasure in this life, love God, love people. But he didn't give them the map to the treasure. And ironically, the people didn't even notice. You know, if this command was as important as Jesus said it was, number one priority in your whole life, the litmus test to whether or not you have a successful life or not, um, if it was so important, I would think that there would be at least one person who would ask a big and seemingly obvious question. What do you think they would, if Jesus looked at you and he said, Ruth Shermer, the most important thing I want you to do with your whole life is love God and love people. The whole thing, that's it. Is there any question that would come to anybody's mind? Yeah. Were you up in Evergreen last night? Because they <laughs> totally got the answer. Um, yeah, that it is. How? I'd be like, whoa, whoa, that's sort of a tall order. When you, when you say love God with your heart, soul, mind, and strength all the time, that much, really? I mean, <laughs> because I love you guys, but I mean that much all the time? For me, it's like... Mm, not always. I mean, I love y'all some. I love the Lord some. But with my whole heart, soul, mind, and strength, um, I just don't have that. Um, I mean, maybe the people listening didn't ask, how, Lord, because they were ashamed of their ignorance and inadequacy. Or maybe they were proud and they thought, oh, yeah, got that figured out already. Or maybe... Uh, they just didn't think that what Jesus said was such a big deal. And when I think about me and my life, if somebody were doing a love audit on my life, um, I could sum up how I feel I'd probably, the two words I would describe my love audit, which would be just not enough. You know, uh, you know some's there, but, but not enough, and I know it. Um, I know I don't love all the time. I know sometimes I don't have the energy or even the interest to love God and love people the way he wants me to. <clears throat> sometimes I'm just self-absorbed. It's all about me this week. Um, or, or sometimes it's just hard to just have enough to just get through the things I have to do to get through my week. So this love God, love people sometimes could feel like a bar that's just too high to reach. And um, like, uh, 
Well, so then do I live with this constant sense of guilt or do I gradually numb out to my own failure to love? Maybe I soften the standards and just say, I'm doing the best I can. Maybe Jesus' commandments seem like an ideal that can never be reached. So um, maybe that's why nobody asked how. But you know, Jesus, um, he could have just been looking around. He did a lot of crowd gauging. You know, he was watching if people, uh, if they were, I like that verse when Jesus says, um, you, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Like he knew, he knew if people meant things or not. What if he were just waiting for just one person to just look at him sincerely and say, how? How can I love like that? Well, my theory that I will unfold from my secret drawer is um, this idea that John 15 that we're about to read is the, the answer to the question that nobody asked. Um, it's the map to the treasure. And Jesus shares this inside information at the very end of his life. He knows it's sort of on his bucket list before he goes, I need to share this with the people who are closest to me. His 11 disciples who really cared. Judas had already left. So in his big, long, last conversation that extends from about John 14 through John 17, tucked in the middle is this little secret, this map um, of how to love. And I, wanna, I want you to pay attention to that question, how can I really love, uh, as we read this. I'm going to have us read it again together. It's kind of long, but just enjoy. I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me and my words in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because servants do not know their master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I learned from my Father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. And so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. This is my command, love one another. 
Now, um, when I read this, um, I think that if I could sum up kind of this whole sermon um, message, um, I would say, here's what I think is the capsule. When I remain connected to the vine and let Jesus' love fill me up, then I will easily produce the spirit fruits in my life, including love for God and love for people. And I'm going to say that one more time, hopefully sink it in. When I remain connected to the vine and let his love fill me up, then I will easily produce the spirit fruits in my life, including love for God and love for people. Um, Over the years, of the past few years since I've been reflecting on this, I've just wondered to myself, you know what, what if John 15 is everything? I mean, what if this is it? What if I get this and everything else falls into place? What if I get this and nothing else really matters that much in God's eyes? Last week, Peter talked about, made some comment about, you know, being a failure and not sure if he's a failure or not. And I thought, to me, this makes it so simple. If you get this, your life is a success. I mean, this is success, not in our eyes, in God's eyes. So it's a simple concept. In fact, to me, it's so important. Um, There's one of these verses in here, John 15, 9, um, that I've never had a life verse until I came across this, and I was like, oh, yeah, this is it. This is my life verse. And um, it says, uh, as the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. Very simple. And in fact, I, I distilled that concept even uh, tighter when after I read a book a few years ago. Anybody ever hear of the book called Six Word Memoirs? Anyone? Bueller. <laughs> um, Six Word Memoirs. Um, was it really, it's, there's a website for it too. It's very interesting. And for those of you who have a, a little obsessive side like I do, um, it's how would you sum up your whole life in six words? I mean, I thought about this for days. You know, how would I sum up my life in six words? And, and when you read the book, it's all these six-word memoirs of different people, and, and it's fascinating to say if you could really um, crystallize who you are, what you're about, or maybe what you want to be about. Well, um, here's mine, um, and I just love it. Um, <laughs> It says, it's six words, okay? Receiving God's love, giving it away. Bam! You can borrow it if you want to. I mean, it's it's pretty good. Um, I I was excited about it because I I think that that's, not just because it's clever, you know, really, but because that, it hones in on what I think God's one thing is for us. Receiving God's love, giving it away. And there's a difference now for me from, I used to organize my life around this life motto, this mission, love God, love people. But it felt very, um, I don't know, kind of hard and self-propelled, like, you know, come on Kathleen, you know, love God, love people, and do it better, do it more. And sometimes it seems like there's rules, and and sometimes it seems like, eh, um, I don't know, I'm not in the mood today. But there's, this is a different thing. When I, when I organize my life around this idea of receiving God's love and giving it away, then I get first. 
I get to get filled up first. I don't have to give out of emptiness, out of the dregs of what I'm feeling. I get to get filled up. Um, and, and there's also no shame involved, um, where I used to sort of mentally crack the whip, you know, come on, Kathleen, you can do better than that. You totally ignored those people, or you were, you were just, uh, you avoided that person that you recognized in the store. Uh, you know, whatever. I mean, there's, there's lots, of, lots of little things that I can beat myself up for. Um, but now, instead of just thinking, love God, love people, now I think this whole idea, this concept is different because if I notice that I'm not loving people the way I want to, I'm not loving, I feel kind of dry, uh, I'm not loving God the way I want to, then what I start thinking is, huh, you know, I haven't paid a lot of attention to my connection to the vine lately. I think I'm a little withered. My heart feels a little dry, and I just need to, like, take time, slow down, stop everything, and get reconnected and recharged and filled up again with the love of God that comes through Jesus constantly. Because really, no matter how productive I'm being in my life, busy and productive and getting things done, if I am not really loving, loving God and loving people, um, then it doesn't matter. I mean, I love the whole 1 Corinthians 13 thing where it says, you know, if you, you're, just a, you're just a clanging gong or a noisy cymbal. If you don't love, you just, it doesn't count. So when I notice that in myself, uh, then I just make, make some little changes as soon as I can. I get back in the flow of Jesus again. I think, okay, what can I do today to slow down and receive and absorb Christ's love for me? And I don't have to plead with God. I don't have to make an appointment. He's not stingy about this. He doesn't say, where have you been? Um, he doesn't say, um, you know, he doesn't just dole out little stingy droplets of love in my vine. Um, in Romans 5.5, 5, it says, for we know how dearly God loves us because he's given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. So I can only give to you. Any love that I give to you is only because I've received it from him. Same with you. If you can only give what you have received. And so if I have just received a beautiful outpouring of the love of Jesus, I don't even have to try to give it to other people. It just spills out. So, um, but I only get that love if I am connected if I'm connected to the vine. Now, um, in our culture, um, most of us, um, do we have vineyards in our, anyone have a vineyard in their backyard? Yeah. Oh, oh, Jen. The, uh, well, then this whole passage was for Jen. Um, <laughs> most of us, though, have, you know, the, 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 and that was common back in Jesus' time when he was, he was sharing this, people had vineyards. But now it's everyone except Jen, you know. <laughs> Um, but you know what, even though if we don't totally get the vineyard metaphor, um, what we do get in our culture, we do get the concept of uh, connected, the importance of being connected. And I'll tell you, uh, look around, it's, it's me, it's you, because uh, if for some reason we can't get connected, you know, there's a little sense of desperation. Um, and I, in fact, I went to the Women at the Cross retreat a few months ago, and drove up to the mountains where it was, and, and I was going to make a call to tell my family what was going on. And, and when I got there, I was like, whoa, whoa. Oh, there's no cell service. I am not connected. Whoa. 
Uh, and so, and I see other people, you know, my internet's down or this or that. I mean, that's our culture is we think, you know, man, I, if I can't be connected, I don't have access to my information, to my resources, to my people. <clears throat> and what if we had the same sense of urgency with Christ, with our connection with him? What if our mindset was like, I have to be connected with Christ? It's vital. I cannot live the kind of life today that I want to live unless I have that strong, sweet connection. But this raises another how question. Okay, fine, Kathleen, you've convinced me, be connected to the vine. But how exactly do I do that? How does it look in practical life? And how can I experience Jesus' love for me and be filled up daily with his love? That's where I get to um, echo that cowboy from uh, City Slickers and say, well, that's for you to figure out. Um, but uh, in a way, it is for you to figure out, but, but there, are some, there are some tips to this, um, and we can learn some things. Um, but a love relationship is unique, you know? So you, there is a part of it that you have to learn on your own. Um, I'm always amused when I go to the grocery store and there's some kind of eye-catching headline that says, how to please your man in bed. And, uh, and I think, wow, <laughs> um, you don't even know my man. <laughs> I don't even know my man. <laughs> um, you know, and I mean, I'm, I admit I'm, I'm very open to hearing creative ideas along the way. Um, people can be creative, but you know what? Nobody can really tell you um, how to love somebody. That's something you have to find out yourself. And it's fun to learn as you go along from what they tell me. Uh, <clears throat> anyway, if we're hungry to learn how do we remain in Jesus, in his love, there are a few sure ingredients really that apply, I think, to every love relationship. Two that are just solid. You can't get around them. Time and intentionality. Um, and along these lines, um, I think about this verse that, where Jesus said in Matthew 7, he said, keep on asking and you will be given what you ask for. Keep on looking and you will find. Keep on knocking and the door will be opened. We can apply these three challenges, ask, seek, knock, to remaining in Jesus' love. Very simply, uh, the first thing I can do is just ask. Just ask. And, um, I mean, this is my real life, my window into my real life is this is, you know, uh, usually Monday morning or a lot of mornings, um, I'm checking my watch, trying to make it to, to drive to my first patient's house on time, and um, kind of trying to make sure I had everything in place, all these details, things I'm, you know, hopefully not forgetting, and, and I'm racing along, um, <clears throat> not quite at the speed limit, um, and... Uh, and I'm just thinking to myself, oh man, these are people, these are really sick people with terminal illnesses. And I'm walking in their door and they're looking to me to be a source of love and hope. And I'm going, look, I'm tired, I'm busy, I've got a lot of things on my mind. I don't know if I can really bring a whole lot today. Um, but knowing that and feeling that as I drive to someone's house, I'll just say, Lord, please. Fill me up with your love today. Just pour it in. You know, just fill me up so that I have something to offer. Because if you don't fill me up with your love, I don't have anything worth giving. So you just start by asking. Just ask. 
Um, it's an awareness. It's sort of an awareness of, of um, earlier in Matthew, it says, blessed are the poor in spirit. And poor in spirit, I, I read one time, is uh, realizing that you're spiritually bankrupt. You know what? I don't have anything on my own to give you. So come to the Lord and asking, okay, you know, hit me today, right now, soon. Need some love, need some resource and fuel. The second part of this uh, way we could apply this to, to remaining in Jesus' love is the idea of seeking. And when I think of seeking for ways to remain in Jesus' love, uh, a lot of times I think about other people. I look around me and I uh, pay attention um, to different people that I think uh, really show the love of Christ. Um, And I think, ooh, that person is, you can sense God's love coming out of this person. Um, You can see it in their face, in the way they talk. And I think, all right, I'm going to get close to that person, hang out with them, and learn a little bit from them. Maybe some of it will rub off on me. Maybe I'll listen to what they do and how they remain in Christ. Uh, but it's, it's noticeable. I was in a blockbuster the other day, and um, I made a ran- random stab in the dark because I, I'm such a shy person. Um, uh, no, really. Um, this beautiful young woman, maybe 19 years old, beautiful lady um, with... Uh, just smiling and talking to me, just with his face glowing. And I said, you know, this sounds funny to ask this, but do you know the Lord Jesus? And she said, I do. How do you know? And I was like, look, baby, it's all over your face. Uh, But um, when I seek out ways to remain in the love of Christ, um, I seek to be around people who are already a little further down the road, a little more consistent with it, um, a little more sincere and real with it. Um, I also seek out, I go to conferences or retreats or read books. I mean, um, I'm shameless. I'll, I'll go to anybody who's got something. I could, I could learn about this because if this is the most important thing to God, well, then it's worth my time. Um, and then knock um, to remain in Jesus' love. How do I remain in Jesus' love? I can knock. And what I mean by that is you have to be willing to think outside the box a little You have to be willing to be creative and try some different things. Um, Some things might work and some things might not. And the things that work for me might not work for you. Um, But being willing to just not do the same little Christian routines, but try some new things. Um, Some of mine, I'll only share these not prescriptively, but just, you know, things I've tried. Some are classic, but some are different. some things I've done is I take, I love taking, now this I recommend since it was the very first thing that people did in the whole world. They uh, walked in the, walked with God in the cool of the day. Um, but I take walks with God and I talk to him out loud. I don't just, I don't just talk to him in my head because otherwise my mind wanders. I talk out loud and let the people wonder. Uh, you know, no, I'm not wearing a Bluetooth. Um, <laughs> but um, I do like that. Um, I feel really close to God in corporate worship like Resound, I hate missing Resound, and I always feel really grateful to the people here. Uh, Resound is a great way to be in corporate worship and connect with the vine and feel that love of Christ pouring from from me to him and him to me. Um, I also like, I get a lot of joy out of keeping a Sabbath, um, which sounds unusual to some people, but um, it's like a forced vacation day, which I love. Um, I also, I leave this week for my annual vacation with my family. Every year I go to Ocean City, New Jersey. 
um, it's, it's like a, like none of us in the family would ever, this is non-compromised, you know, non-negotiable. Um, but at the shore, um, I'm not just there with my nails done and lying prettily in the sun. I am there body surfing for two weeks. Um, and I know Colorado people might not know what body surfing is, um, but <laughs> it's wonderful. Uh, riding waves, and I remember a few years ago, I said, I'm riding waves and I'm giggling underwater as I'm riding waves because I'm so happy. And I was like, Lord, ride waves with me. You know, come join me. Come join me in my joy as well as joining me in my sorrow. Um, so that's another way I get connected to the vine. Oh, I can't wait. I can hardly finish this sermon right now. Um, um, I, I do classic things. I meditate on the Bible. I go on spiritual retreats. Um, and, but w whatever all those are, the common theme in all of them is when I'm living connected to the vine, I take time to be with him. I, I pull him in. I'm aware of him. I take time. And... Um, for some reason, this little Christmas lyric uh, runs through my mind a lot. Let every heart prepare him room. Let every heart prepare him room. Um, because I think unintentionally sometimes I don't leave room. You know, I don't leave room. I'm so busy. I've got all these things. And so let every heart prepare him room. And um, so uh, I love this. I found a little paraphrase from 1 Corinthians thir 13, or 14. And it says... Um, Go after a life of love as if your life depended on it, because it does. Isn't that good? Go after a life of love as if your life depended on it, because it does. Um, now, the good thing, when we get back to this idea of remaining in the vine, and you think, I don't know if I can do all these things. I don't know if I can do all these things. How can I remain in the vine when I leave here? Um, the nice thing, if you really step back, is there's not a wrong answer to this. It's I really believe it's easy. I mean, when you look at branches, um, does it look, if, if we're the branches and Jesus is the vine, when you look at branches, does it look like they're working really hard? No. It doesn't look like they're exerting themselves and pushing that fruit out. You know, they're not. They're not. They're, all they're doing is just staying attached. They're just staying where they belong. And then almost automatically, just naturally, Fruit comes out just because they're staying where they belong, connected. And to me, that is, that connection is the secret to all of it. It's the secret. In fact, um, <clears throat> when I told Francis that the title of my sermon was The Secret to a Successful Love Life, um, I could feel a little smirk. She was, she was too polite to laugh. Um, but, um, you know, she knows that I've... Uh, Wanted to be married, and it's never totally worked out. Um, but when I say how to have a successful love life, this is what I'm talking about. It's the secret. And what I mean by that is if we are connected with Jesus, the source of love, then we can love and love and love and love and love and love. Doesn't run out. Doesn't run out. Doesn't feel forced. Doesn't feel like an effort. Um, to me, that's the secret. Um, do you all remember who um, Harriet Beecher Stowe was? Anybody? Ex oh, extra credit for Stephen. Uh, <clears throat> uh, she wrote, she was an abolitionist, famous abolitionist. One of the many things she wrote was uh, Uncle Tom's Cabin. 
Uh, but she also wrote this beautiful little booklet called How to Live on Christ. Uh, not in or with or whatever, but live on Him. And it goes right along with the things that I'm talking about. Now, this is kind of old language. And um, try to pay attention and meditate on this as I read this to you. Um, because it's so wise and profound, I think. How does the branch bear fruit? Not by incessant effort for sunshine and air, not by vain struggles for those vivifying influences which give beauty to the blossom and verdure to the leaf. It simply abides in the vine, in silent and undisturbed union, and blossoms and fruit appear as of spontaneous growth. How then shall a Christian bear fruit? By efforts and struggles to obtain that which is freely given? by meditations on watchfulness, on prayer, on action, on temptation, and on dangers? No. There must be a full concentration of the thoughts and affections on Christ, a complete surrender of the whole being to Him, a constant looking to Him for grace. Christians in whom these dispositions are once firmly fixed go on as calmly as the infant born in the arms of its mother. In spiritual as in temporal matters, they take no thought for the morrow, for they know that Christ will be as accessible tomorrow as today. Their hope and trust rest solely on what He is willing and able to do for them, on nothing that they suppose themselves able and willing to do for Him. Such is the exchanged life, the abiding fruitful life, the life that is in Christ, which should be the possession of every believer. Isn't that beautiful? Um, and the news gets better and better. I mean, I could write a few more sermons on this. I'll, I'm almost at the end, so hang with me. Um, but I can't go without at least giving you a few of the rewards that Jesus says come to us if we remain in him. The passage we all read earlier from John 15, uh, we already talked about the most important gift that he gives us by remaining, which is love. We already talked about my favorite verse. Um, but Jesus also mentions a few other huge rewards uh, that I'll just touch on briefly. The first one is fruitfulness. Um, John 15, 5 and 16 says, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. I mean, that's something I hear when I talk to people at the end of their lives. A lot of people hope that there's something that they've done or said in life that will carry on, that will make a difference. I mean, I want that. I want something that's going to last, um, that I've, anything that would, that would make a difference in God's eyes and that would be lasting fruit. So, um, cool, if I remain in Him, I'm going to have fruit. I'm going to have love, I'm going to have fruit, and another thing I'm going to have is answered prayers. Jesus said, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. Later he says, whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. Now that's a little hard one for me, that one I've wrestled with. Um, it's hard for me to get my head around that idea, but Jesus said it, must be true. Um, 
So he, this is, these are the things, the rewards Jesus wants to give us. Love and fruit and answered prayers. And this next one is great. Uh, the next one is complete joy. Uh, I wonder how many people in our culture struggle with depression. I mean, I wonder what the percentage is, because most of my friends do. Uh, I mean, if you look around, I wonder what the percentage would be of people who really struggle with depression. We're not a culture that's known to be a culture of complete joy. But Jesus said, I've told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. That's what he wants for us. And I mean, I want that. And then the last reward Jesus offers us is um, friendship with him. Maybe the best. He says, I no longer call you servants because servants do not know their master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything I learned from my father, I've made known to you. I mean, actually, I, I, I have had a nice little relationship with some Jehovah's Witnesses who come to my door. When they come to my door, I say, yeah, come on in. <laughs> Let me sit you a cup of tea. Um, and I've had some, a couple lovely ladies that I've had visit me three or four times this spring. And, um, and their emphasis, which is not a bad emphasis, but it's an emphasis on um, being the servant of God and being a servant in his kingdom to come and being a servant and doing whatever he wants. And I brought this idea to them. I said, you know, servants are great. If that's all I could have, I would be thankful to be God's servant. But that's not all he offered. He offered friendship. He offered oneness. He offered me to be his child. So servant's cool and all, but I, I'm bumping it up. I'd like to go, if, if I can have more than that, to have friendship with Christ. And um, they didn't really have a, an, you know, a response. I wasn't trying to be argumentative, but I was just painting saying, hey, what if you could have more than servant? What if you could really be friends with Christ? And if we remain in Jesus, in his love, we get these things. We get love in our lives. We get fruitfulness. We get answered prayers. We get complete joy. We get friendship with Jesus. Um, back to that idea that I said at the beginning, I kinda, when I summed it up, I said, uh, when we remain connected to the vine and let his love fill us up, then I easily produce the spirit fruits in my life, including love for God and love for people. Um, that is the treasure from my secret drawer. And that's my idea of fireworks. Um, you know how um, at the, when you go to a fireworks show, um, you always get the sense, you know when the grand finale is coming, right? Um, because all of a sudden, you know, there might be a little pause, but all of a sudden there's, you know, just this big weight. And at the end, um, you know, they just unload whatever they've got. Just, you know, everything goes up loud and proud and noisy. And, and of course, um, it's become a, you know, trained response. But all of us, when, when that goes off like that, all of us in the crowd, what do we say? Ooh, what else do we say? Ah, see, oh yeah, you're total protocol for fireworks. <clears throat> Well, in this church, I love how the grand finale of every sermon is the cross. And we come to the cross, and hopefully what's been stirred up by listening to God's word, by singing to him, hopefully what stirs up in us as we come to the cross is this, ooh, ah, 
And um, that's how it's supposed to be. Um, every week, you know, I, I looked up the word communion um, as we prepare for communion. I was, I was thinking about, I was like, communion is kind of what I'm talking about in my whole sermon. Um, and I looked up the definition, see if any of this sounds kind of familiar. The dictionary says that communion means intimacy, a feeling of emotional or spiritual closeness, connection, a relationship especially in which something is shared, a shared sense of identity. And, um, and I was like, ooh, that is exactly... That is exactly what I'm talking about. Communion. Connection to the vine is just another way to say communion or to say, I need his life in me. And, uh, and we do. And so on the night that Jesus was betrayed, um, he gave us this beautiful ritual to remind us again and again um, that when he took the bread and he sat down with the people who were close to him, the people who he really loved, he sat down in a close, intimate environment and he said, this is my body. If you can imagine, this is my body being ripped apart for you, given for you. And if you can imagine, if you can imagine which of these might be wine and which of these might be juice. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, I do this a lot. Um, well, you know, here's the thing. When you have complete joy, people say, is that all right to have that word in that movie clip that you, that you played? And is it all right if, um, I mean, but here's the thing. Jesus came as the, he came as the vine, and the fruit of that vine was squeezed and bloodied and poured out for us. And, um, and the idea behind all of it is not so that we can be stodgy and stiff and serious about everything, but so that we can have, because of him and his sacrifice, we can have complete joy. In fact, um, and John, who wrote what, what we were reading, later in his life, toward the end of his life, he, he wrote in 1 John, he wrote, um, this is real love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us uh, and gave himself as the sacrifice for our sins. And that's joy. And so as you come and as you take this bread and as you take this wine, um, if, if you're new here, you just tear off a piece of the bread and, um, and then you dip it into either the juice or the wine. And the juice is in the light cups and the wine is in the dark cups. So come to the vine. As we pray, um, why don't you stand? And if you would, um, take your hands like this, you know, like this. Just hold them like that, and we're going to... What do you think that symbolizes while we're praying? Surrender. Yeah, receiving and surrender. Maybe you're not used to doing that, but, you know, it's a beautiful picture that here, like, Lord, <laughs> I'm receiving. So let's do that and pray together. 
Lord, that's what we want, and I feel like we have received from you today. And I just pray you'd keep pouring out by your Spirit, your love into us over and over and help us to be poised and ready to absorb and receive everything that you want to give us so that we can pass it on, give to others. Uh, I pray that in our hearts we would have uh, the appropriate sense of ooh and ah as we think about you and your love and uh, just the, the honor of being connected to you. So I pray that um, we would walk out of here with complete joy and with full hearts and with our eyes on Christ. In his name we pray, amen. Um, you know, <clears throat> when I'm on airplanes, and you know when you're sitting taking off, um, and you're sitting there waiting, and there's somebody up there, like, you know, Charlie Brown's teacher, mwah, mwah, giving you instructions, you know, before you take off, mwah, 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 mwah. I mean, I don't hear it anymore. Um, it's because you've heard it so many times, it just goes on, drones on. But there's still one little part that catches my attention, uh, which is the part about if you're flying with a child, and they try not to be scary about this, but if there were some need for these oxygen masks to come falling down, and, and for some crazy reason that you needed oxygen, and you're flying with a child, what do you do? What? Right. I always think, really? Because that seems like I should put it on the kid first. Um, but, you know, why is that? <laughs> yeah. You know, if we don't get what we need, if we don't get, uh, if we don't receive that oxygen ourselves, um, we're no good to anybody around us. If we don't receive from the Lord, we're no good to anybody around us. So as you go, um, may you receive God's love and give it away. Oh, and... As you do go, um, there are a few options that you have. Some of you may want um, some prayer, and we've got uh, Stephen and Karen are coming forward to, at this very moment, um, to pray with you if you'd like to pray. It's great, it's fun, come on down and pray. Um, if, you do, if you are a young person, between 18 and 30, um, there is a barbecue after this, um, and there are flyers kind of hanging around, you could grab one, feel free to go join um, spontaneously join that group or downstairs there's donuts I mean there's options options so go and be blessed <laughs>